Welcome, welcome. This is It's More Than Just Fights. And per usual, unfortunately, we are a day late, but I promise we're damn sure not a dollar short on all your latest pro wrestling, WWE, and AEW news. As always, I am your host, The Real Deal Ricky Roller. Joining me again today is a third time guest now, Trevor Bentley. Um, today, for those of you that have missed the last few episodes, um, we will be focusing strictly on pro wrestling. Unfortunately, we were slightly delayed with a few episodes. I apologize for that. But uh, the last episode focused strictly on MMA, boxing, and combat sports. Um, this one's going to focus solely and strictly on pro wrestling. And with that being said, uh, I do want to bring everybody up to date. We just had the Night of Champions WWE pay-per-view over the weekend, as well as AEW's uh, Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Um, with that being said, I want to dive right into uh, a little bit of AEW talk. There was uh, quite a few big, big matches and uh, big situations that occurred over the pay-per-view um jump right into the the absolute utter chaos you watched it earlier with me trevor the uh 20-man battle royal for orange cassidy's uh what is it the international championship yeah they changed the name on it it used to be like northern atlantic or pacific something like that yeah the oceans or some shit but i i i'm a fan of a royal rumble match i've always been a fan of a royal rumble a battle royal whatever you want to call it but um I don't know how I feel about AEW allowing competitors to start inside and outside the ring. Instead of doing an entrance style like WWE where one man enters followed by another until they hit their limit, they allowed approximately 10 to 12 men to start in the match and 10 to 12 men to start outside the match. Instead of those 10 to 12 men outside jumping right in, they proceeded to fight each other. You had luchadors doing high-flying moves outside, through the ropes, moonsaults off turnbuckles, eliminations weren't counting. It was... I don't know about you, but it was hard to keep track of who was in the match till they got towards the end. The same way with the main event that they had with the Blackpool Combat, Combat Club and the fucking Elite or whatever the fuck it is. It was just anarchy, as they said. Well, yeah, that one was supposed to be anarchy in the arena, so I expected that one to be chaos. But a goddamn battle royal, that's as simple as it gets. Let's throw our opponent over the top rope. Could, could you tell who the last 15 guys in that match were? No, I couldn't keep up with it at all. I couldn't keep up until the very end when we had like maybe six competitors left. That was probably the most unorganized match I've seen in AEW. And AEW has been known for a lot of unorganized bullshit since they've appeared. But Trying something new. Yeah, well, maybe they need to try something newer or different because that was that was hard to follow. And I'm I'm what I consider a hardcore pro wrestling fans so it's not easy to lose me whether it's a storyline or a match concept but that match was just oof that, that, that looked like something that uh, Russo might have created back in WCW days or TNA days like yeah, that was that was a rough match in my opinion but uh, if we're speaking of rough matches we can jump into uh, the tag team match between uh, uh, FTR and Jarrett and Lethal. Now that match, that, that talk about a fucking Iron Man tag team match. That shit lasted forever. 
that had to have been at least like a good 40 minute match and I didn't see a false finish till at least 20 25 minutes into the match mm-hmm. like that that shows Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett have been around a while yeah but FTR's endurance and stamina to go with guys that have been around 20 25 plus years like Jarrett and Lethal and not miss a step or a beat that they were both technicians right to a degree Jarrett always has been, yes, but I wouldn't say Lethal was. I would say Dax and Cash, yes, they are your traditional pro wrestler. And they, they use headlock takeovers and sweeps and chain wrestling to the fullest. <coughs> However, during the match, Mark Briscoe was the enforcer. And Briscoe, there was a couple different times where, you know, at the beginning, you know, he said he was going to call it down the middle and everybody was kind of skeptical, obviously. And then we had uh, Sanjay Dutt prevent a pinfall by cash, I do believe, by pulling him out of the ring. And Briscoe proceeds to throw him out. And then Satnam Singh walks over near him. So he throws Satnam Singh out. Now, mind you, Karen Jarrett's ringside, too. So the concept of him kicking them out and then turning around cash ducking the guitar shot from Jarrett and Jarrett taking out Briscoe that we all seen coming we've seen a Jarrett Briscoe rivalry coming I think everybody's seen that am I wrong yeah yeah either that or him and Lethal and I feel like because him and Lethal have been friends for so long that would have been a, a harder rivalry to believe as opposed to him and Double J yeah but the icing on the cake for this match for me is good old Aubrey Edwards now, for those casuals that don't know who Aubrey Edwards is, Aubrey Edwards is a AEW wrestler or a AEW referee who is also part of the creative designs team and head of the AEW Fight Forever video game, which just recently, thank God, we finally got a release date for that. I do believe June 27th after fucking two years of waiting for AEW to drop a game, we finally got a release date. You know, we'll dive into that in a minute too because that's a different subject, but. Good old Aubrey comes down to the ring after Briscoe's been taken out. Attempts to get in the ring. Sanjay Dutt stops her because he wasn't completely out of the ringside area before uh, Briscoe was hit with the guitar. Karen Jarrett approaches and obliterates a guitar over Aubrey Edwards' head. It's just she kind of she took it though. She knew it was coming. That's the thing, though, is we, we remember Earl Hepner and, you know, some of the older refs getting involved and taking some damage. But since Hepner, I can't remember a ref that's been willing to take a weapon shot. No, but she's a different one, though, right? She was the first one to come out with the podcast of her own. And yeah, her, her and Shivani have their own podcast, yep. She's kind of like the first woman referee to do the non-referee things. Right, to show, she she actually, if you think about it, she's kind of, because WWE didn't have women refs until after Aubrey Edwards was around. Mm-hmm. You know, AEW kind of opened the door with Aubrey Edwards when it comes to female referees. And I think this is going to open a door that nobody expected. And I, I mark my words, we'll see Aubrey Edwards wrestle a match at some point in time in her career. Oh, yeah. She's too big and too into it to not wrestle a match. She's going to get called out eventually or some shit. I just don't, I don't see a way around her not getting in the ring. But speaking of Aubrey in the video game, while we were on that subject, before we go down another rabbit hole or get off topic some other way, let's let's talk about that for a minute. Because we, as you're sitting here actually playing WWE 2K23 while we do this podcast, 
we both play the game consistently, the WWE games. You know, I've been around the games a lot longer than you, and I'm glad to see a certain couple certain things back and game modes changed in this year's game. But rumor has it this AEW game, it's supposed to be a one-time release like Rocket League or Fortnite, where they're going to constantly update rosters and they're going to constantly just continue to update the same game over and over again. You won't have to buy a new game. So if you own it on a console that it came out on now, you'll constantly be able to get updates until they stop updates for that console. You'll never have to buy the game again. You'll just have to buy a new console as long as you buy the upgraded version when you purchase your console. Mm -hmm. So... What do you think, like, how is that going to work for, like, stars like Sting, who's been a legend in WWE and been able to be in a WWE game, but now he's going to be in an AEW game and he can't be in the... How do you think it'll work in situations like that where they have legends, like, what happens if Taz goes back and gets inducted into the Hall of Fame for a second time, this time as a commentator with the WWE and leaves AEW? What do you do then? Can Taz still be in your game? Is there customizable characters where you can download and shit? Well, we know we'll always have people that do that, but I'm referring to if AEW is going to update rosters like NBA 2K and Madden does during the season until the new game gets ready to drop. How I can go on and I can update the rosters and LaMelo's stats will change or Tom Brady's stats will change, you know, depending on how their season goes. So that's how these WWE, or these AEW game is going to be. Is like Chris Stratlander, who just came back at the pay-per-view and beat Jade Cargill, have a... Her rating's going to be higher than it was when the game first dropped. But now, because it's been so long, her rating's automatically going to be that high. But that's the shit that I'm talking about that we'll see. And yes, those listeners that just heard me, I said Chris Stratlander, old, tall, alien girl, Orange Cassidy's hypothetical girlfriend, best friend's fourth member, came back after Taya Valkyrie lost to Jade Cargill. <laughs> Cargill then allowed her manager to get back on the mic and do his typical open challenge. And who answered the open challenge other than I've been injured for months and months, but I was on my way to the title beforehand, Chris Stratlander. And Stratlander got one of the biggest pops I've heard at AEW in a long time. Coming from a female, anyways. That's that's one of the sense Cargill with Shaq, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be the biggest pop. And Cargo went 60-0 and and then loses to Stratlander. Now, granted, there's going to be the call-out in the rematch because she just fought Taya Valkyrie and this, that, and the third. She wasn't fresh. She didn't agree to that. It was her manager. Hell, they might even try to strip her of the belt. But it's the fact that Stratlander came back the way she did at the pay-per-view and was able to have the pop she did shows you that she wasn't forgotten by the fans. Not at all. She was one of the biggest females there. And... Between that little group right there and the Battle Royal competitors and the hypothetical roster that they have right now for their new show coming up, Saturday Night Collision, which was confirmed to be debuting in Chicago June 17th. So we all are well aware that CM Punk will more than likely be returning that night because it's already been discussed and basically proven fact that Collision was created with a roster of AEW and Ring of Honor wrestlers that are willing to work with CM Punk. They are still using Friday Night Dynamite as uh, uh, or Friday Night Rampage as a almost like NXT type show. It's only an hour long. It's got more of their up and coming and then they have their Wednesday night programming Rampage, which is where 
you will have like your elite and your uh, Moxley, your your guys that per se have an issue with Phil Brooks. They have a problem with CM Punk. Mm -hmm. And then you have your other group of guys that are willing to work with CM Punk that will be over on Collision. Your Brian Cage, your Luchasaurus, your Penta, your Bandito, your uh, Sin Cara, currently known as uh, Commander. You know, it's 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 going to make for an interesting roster and an interesting show. And rumor has it the international title is supposed to be like the main title of that show. So with that being said... Punk's going to get it. How but how do you see that playing out? Rumor had it there was going to be another belt created. There's there's been a lot of buzz. My thought is they bring back a Ring of Honor world title. Granted, Ring of Honor has its own streaming site, but CM Punk being a Ring of Honor original, you know Pepsi Cola Punk, you know would Ring of Honor. I feel like they could definitely bring back the Ring of Honor world title, and the fans would have no issue with that being on Collision every week, right. and they could title it Collision and then put the Ring of Honor title on there and that would be their gimmick behind it as we call it Collision because the two brands are colliding against each other Ring of Honor and AEW on Saturday Night Collision now that sounds like some Tony Khan shit this is the same man that does the Forbidden Door pay-per-view where he invites other promotions to book with him for a pay-per-view once a year no matter who they are all about selling the tickets right and let's not forget now that WWE is owned by Endeavor which is the same company that owns the UFC, and now they formed their own promotion between the two companies. They basically took Tony Khan, Vince, and a few execs, Dana White, and a few of his execs, and one or two Endeavor guys, and said, we are now TKO. Total knockout operations. They are now a their own entity, the WWE and UFC, together as one. Which you can already see... In how the UFC is using, I touched on it on my last podcast with Naeem. The UFC is defending the BMF belt. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje the second time they're fighting, and it's for the BMF belt. But that was supposed to be a one-off belt for Masvidal and Diaz. Well, now Dana White doesn't have the final say-so. Endeavor does. And Endeavor owns the WWE. So you think that they're not going to have some sort of pull? I guarantee that was Endeavor, not not Dana, that said, put the BMF belt on for it. It'll get more, more buys, more draws. Yeah, especially for big two big names like that, being a number two, right? Well, and Dustin Poirier is, is one of my favorite fighters. And Justin Gaethje, he'll die on his shield. I love Gaethje. Both them guys could fight for the world title right now, and either one of them want to. Right. Poirier's already said, I've been there and done that. I just want a red painting night. And I don't blame the guy because, you know, I, I touched on that again in my last podcast, the Fightville DVD. For those of you that don't know about it, go look it up. Go find it, Fightville. It's a documentary on Dustin Poirier's Amy career into his pro career to when he made it into the WEC in 2011 or 13. I think it covers from like 08 to 13. It, it's it's a great documentary. Uh, I, I spoke last time and said it covered to 11. I do believe it covers all the way up to 13 because it was right towards the end of the WEC is when the documentary finished. But, uh... Definitely something to go pick up. And like I said, I'm a Poirier fan. But that that's... I'm bothered that the BMF belt is being defended. It, it, it was supposed to be a one-off belt. One and done. Masvidal retired. Diaz is now overdoing his boxing thing with Paul making his money. Like, why are you defending that belt? That belt should not be up, in my opinion, for anybody. But... It's a pro wrestling type move, and they're owned now by a company that also owns the biggest pro wrestling entity in the world. So I expect to see a lot of cross-promotional aspects like that. But as far as 
getting back on AEW, like I said, as we got on the video game subject, always going to hit a rabbit hole and never know where these podcasts are going to go. Those of you that stay with us, we greatly appreciate you. But uh, getting back on the AEW subject, um, we did have the uh, trios tag title match between um, the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn against the House of Black. Now, I watched the match. Mediocre match. Greatest highlight of the whole entire match was Max Caster's freestyle this time on the way to the ring. (laughs) Now, I've not touched on this on any of my podcasts yet. Max Caster... John Cena came out and rapped back in the day. Caster legitimately freestyles every single time he comes out to the ring, supposedly, for his entrance song. For those fans that pay attention, Dominic Mysterio has a storyline in WWE with Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is real life engaged to Buddy Matthews. Supposedly, that's Dominic's mommy, and that's Dom Dom, and they're a couple in the WWE storyline. Max Caster comes out, drops a line about Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, and states how he's getting cocked by a guy named Dominic, and he can't stop it. And I'm like, did he really? Cockled. Like, I, I, did, huh? I heard that. I had to rewind that. I was like, whoa. Whoa. And you could see when they flipped to Buddy. Buddy was pissed. I didn't pay close enough attention. I got to rewatch it again to see where the receipt was because I know, I know Buddy Matthews gave him a receipt for that one because that was a personal shot. Yeah, yeah, that was a little uncalled for, especially with the WWE storyline and him coming from the WWE. Yeah, so that that was, yeah, that that was a good one. But um, it did, uh, it, it did bother me the way the match ended. How it was so back and forth, back and forth. Billy Gunn hits the Famouser and then gets hit with one black mask. That's all it takes is one black mask for black to get the pin. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the best we can really do with a guy that can beat Billy Gunn with one finisher is give him a trios title? We, we can't do no better for him? I just, I, I feel like WWE, or AEW is struggling right now to hold on to Black and, and Matthews. It's just keeping the storyline alive, pretty much. That's all it is. I feel like they don't know what to do with them at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that that may cost them them guys in the end. They've used Brody King well in singles matches and things like that. He had his rivalry with Darby, which I feel like that should have been Malachi or Buddy that had that rivalry. Yeah. But it definitely put Brody King on a new level. In my opinion, Brody's higher up right now than Buddy. Put like Black with Jungle Boy again or some shit. Gotta do something, especially after the Pillars match that happened. You know, we gotta... That shit was just a little... Well, we'll 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 touch on the 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 pillars match in a minute. Um, we did have the uh, the Jericho uh, Adam Cole unsanctioned match that occurred as well. Sabu wanted his FaceTime. I don't care what anybody says. I love Sabu. I appreciate what Sabu did for everybody, including our local Battle Creek native Rob Van Dam. Him and. Uh, uh, the Sheik really helped get Rob started back in the day, and man, that was that was just Sabu wanting his FaceTime because he comes out with the classic chair battle with Jericho. You know, the five six chair strikes back and forth till Jericho drops his and he throws it at Jericho. The only thing he didn't do was his 
typical Cebu spin kick because he probably couldn't jump and land on his tailbone without fracturing it right now. After he jumped off the fucking... Top rope, I no more say, think that, yeah. And then he climbs to the top rope and fucking doesn't even jump, he just falls. That that was just a fall directly (laughs) onto another man on a table. He was holding his gut afterwards, though. I mean, I give him credit. He sold, he got up, and he continued to fight and helped clear out the JAS, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society, but he didn't do nothing else. He was supposed to be a special enforcer just like fucking Mark Briscoe was, and Mark Briscoe at least fucking held the titles up. This was a match type shit. Fuck that, the bell rang, and Sabu was like, blah, posed and was attacking. Like, what the hell, man? Like, Jesus. That just... I love the AEW tries to give these older guys their time, but my God, man, you got you, Jesus Christ, fuck! You could have had Taz do it for Christ's sake. He's a bit. What's Tommy Dreamer doing nowadays? Really? Right. Like you had to get a hold of fucking Sabu, <laughs> like, <laughs> oi, vey. You know, I get it though. You know, AEW's different, different pattern. You know, different scheme. They're they're trending their own way, and it, it's. Making an impact because they're definitely sticking around a lot longer than anybody else thought they would. It makes you remember them. Yes, 110%. They, in my opinion, they already have a, and this is going to piss a lot of fans off. And I was a WCW fan. Goldberg was one of my favorite wrestlers back in the day. One of my favorite tag teams was the Harlem Heat. And AEW, in my opinion, the time they've been around has had a bigger impact on the sport already than WCW did. Because they have allowed so many cross-promotional events to occur now. That's they, they have opened the door for pro wrestling to be pro wrestling again and not just be Monopoly sports entertainment entities. Giving the little guys a chance. That's pretty much. That's, exactly. That's, yeah. And that's, that's nice to see because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't see guys like Sammy Guevara and or Sammy. Bandito, a.k.a. Sin Cara Commander. Yeah. You know, we, we wouldn't Penta His and Ray Phoenix. Viral. You know, there's guys that the WWE felt like weren't big enough, like Ricky Starks, who I don't care what anybody says, man. That guy's a mini version of Dwayne Johnson. He can cut promos. He's got the look. He's got the in-ring ability. He's just not 6'3", 250. He's 5'10", 180. WWE wouldn't give a guy like that a shot. But that guy kills it for AEW. Speaking of him, he had his two eliminations with... um, the Bullet Club eliminating Jay White and uh, Rock Hard Juice Robinson and then is interviewed in the back afterwards about how he said he was going to do it gets attacked by him and it's right after FTR's match which they ended up winning we didn't finish that earlier but long and short after Aubrey was hit Briscoe starts to come back too doesn't count the pinfall in time Jeff Jarrett gets upset about it pushes Briscoe Briscoe gets pissed attacks him FTR ends up hitting the fin and they end up winning. But, damn, see why I got to do that to myself? Go down the FTR hole and lose right where we just were before the FTR hole. That's horrible, see? Trying to keep up for you guys and I'm losing my own train of thought. That I have to admit, this, this pay-per-view is harder to keep track of, honestly, guys, because this pay-per-view was better. My opinion? More, there was more glory. Gore. Yeah, I'll give them that. Not just gore, in my opinion, the storylines, the playouts, maybe not all the match quality because some of the matches were off the wall crazy, but compared to Night of Champions. Oh, yeah, Night of Champions was absolutely shit. 
in my opinion, the fucking... What the fuck was it? it the usual match of fucking... Um, can't think of her name. His name. Seth Rollins. Wow. Rollins and AJ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew Rollins was going to win. Well, yeah, that's... that's Triple H's guy. It's so fucking... There's no surprise there. Well, before we do that, if we're talking about surprise, let's cover the last match that we really need to talk about on AEW, and then we'll dive into that bullshit-ass Night of Champions pay-per-view, as you so elegantly put it. But uh, the Four Pillars match in AEW. MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. The match starts immediately with all three men jumping MJF. And then them arguing over who gets the next shot on MJF. And then into an all-out brawl between all four men. Right. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Because that match was so... So everywhere, so fast. That was probably only a 35-minute match, but there were so many different false finishes, so many different fake roll-ups. Darby hits the coffin drop and then... Thinks he's arrogant and picks MJF up to hit the uh, head and arm takeover. And then gets it broken up and doesn't get the win. And False finish, false finish, finisher, reversal, reversal. Like, I'm not lying, guys. If you go back and watch the match for yourself, this match is just so hard to explain in depth and detail. It was literally... Darby hits a move, and then Sammy hits a move on Darby, and then Jungle hits a move on Sammy, and then MJF hits a move on Jungle, and then he ducks out of the way of Darby, so Darby hits Sammy, and Sammy gets reversed by Jungle. It's just, it was so back and forth, so constant, until MJF slid the belt across the chest of Jungle Boy when Darby went for the coffin drop, and Darby landed, hit the back of his head on the title. MJF then picks him up, hits him <laughs> with the head and arm takeover, and sticks the tongue out, and then shushes him for the victory. That was arrogant. I love that. I love that as the character for MJF. I love that as the finish. Outside of that, that match was insane to follow, and not insane in a bad way like the first match, the Rumble. That that match was insane as in the aspect of I couldn't tell you how many times somebody got reversed or there was a false finish. There was a couple of them that wasn't parts of the match or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like there was a little submission fucking segment where all four of them were on the fucking mat in a leg hold or a neck hold. Yep, or... everybody had a submission and I was looking at that closely because I figured you were going to bring that up. Not... A single one of them had both shoulder blades on the mat, though. So I give them credit there, so nobody actually allowed themselves to be pinned. And it was different. Did I like it? No. (laughs) Was it different? Yes. Do I understand the concept in them doing it? Yes. Do I agree with it? No. But, you know, if they didn't do crazy stupid shit like that, would it really be Tony Khan in AEW? I mean, let's be honest here. This is the same man that tried to do the Japanese exploding death match and barely had fireworks go off. Yeah, yeah, true. That was supposed to be the highlight of COVID for them guys, and they fucked that up royally. 
Another highlight of COVID that they still keep going, though, was that anarchy in the arena that they originally did with the Hardys and uh, Jericho's first group that he had. The Appreciation Club, wasn't it? No, no, that's what he has now. He oh, he had a club before that, remember? With the fucking Goof. Sammy. And yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, but they had the rivalry with the Hardys in them. And and they had the anarchy in the arena where Matt Hardy tried to run him over with the golf cart and got that crazy concussion in that match and still kept going. Fucking hats off to Matt Hardy. (laughs) But uh, gets ran over by the golf cart though. Look, there's a reason. There's a reason I didn't even touch on the match that they had at the Hardy compound because they tried to redo the Undertaker AJ Styles movie scene match shit, and I I just I wasn't digging that. I I I was good. They did that on Dynamite the other night, and I didn't even want to touch on it. That was horrible. Sorry, Matt and Jeff, that was rough. <laughs> but getting back to the finish with the four pillars and the way MJF has been able to establish his character and and continue to push the same gimmick. This is only his third match of 2023. Now, this is the same man that two years ago was complaining that he wrestled ten times as much as Roman Reigns. He deserved a title shot. Now you're wrestling less than Roman Reigns. Well, the same way it was like way back when when uh, fucking Reigns was was a fucking workhorse and it was Lesnar that was barely working. Valid point, valid point. You know, look at Reigns now. And I, I steered away from that, that anarchy in the arena because I don't even want to dive in onto that. That was... <laughs> Screwdrivers and shit that brings me back to Kevin Nash, Triple H, Bad Blood, Hell in a Cell. Like that, that shit was just gory. Go watch that for yourself, fans. That that was a rough one to watch. If you're you're a casual and if you're under the age of fourteen, I don't recommend watching that one. Cameraman's Let's just put it that way. Keep up. Yeah, that that was horrible. They they lost monitors and shit. I don't even want to talk about that match. That match was just just almost as bad as the first one. Disappointed with their opener and closer with AEW. Outside of that, it was a great pay per view. As far as Night of Champions goes. <laughs> <laughs> we open it up with the most no-brainer match we can do. We're going to call it a triple main event, but we're going to open it up with one of our three main events. We're going to give you Rollins and AJ to start. First of all, how is this a main event when we all know that the former WCW, yes, I said WCW, look it up, 99-2000-2001, AJ was in WCW before he went to TNA. So the former WCW TNA guy that admits when he came into the door in WWE, Vince had no fucking idea who he was. He's been interviewed in documentaries, quoted all types of shit, saying exactly that, that Vince had no idea who I was. So, you think that guy is going to beat Triple H's guy? Yeah. Paul Levesque's hand-picked NXT, the, the inaugural NXT the champion? fucking beast slayer fucking... Like, come on, now this is the man that spun the belt like a fucking lasso after he beat Lesnar, are you kidding me? Like, this guy's gonna, he's gonna get the Eric Bischoff Triple H treatment, and he's gonna get the big gold belt handed to him by his mentor. Flair was the one that passed it off down to fucking Bischoff to get, well, Bischoff handed it to Flair to hand Triple H on that night on Raw. So, I mean, it, it's same concept. Triple H is now handing the big gold belt after it comes back because that's what this has been titled as, is the World Heavyweight, and they're going to continue it as the World Heavyweight, the big gold belt. So this is going to have go into the same lineage and the same name as the big gold belt has. Mm-hmm. This is just be a different look for it. So this is... Uh, updated. Yes, this is the same five-time WCW World Heavyweight champ, same Batista won the big gold belt, 
same Brandy Orton won the big gold belt and then got turned on by Evolution. That big gold belt is the same gold belt that Seth Rollins now has because Roman Reigns has the WWE and the Universal. They created another one and called the Universal when they got rid of the World Heavyweight. So they have a Universal and a WWE and they brought back the World Heavyweight. They did not create a new belt. They brought back an old one for this. So this is Rollins' first time holding the big gold belt. It's never been around during his time on WWE his main era. roster. He was like in the indies or some shit. But no, he was in NXT the last time big gold belt was defended, I believe. Mm. Gotta figure, NXT's been around since the Wade Barrett days. We're talking 2013. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's 10 years. <laughs> that's a long time. Fucking but uh, that match was... It was exciting. It was back and forth, but it was a no-brainer. Like, and it, the the most casual of casual could have told you who was gonna win that match. And then they had, I don't even know why they did Natalia and Rhea Ripley. Yeah, that was a literal squash. Rhea won that in like under three minutes. Especially with Dom Dom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what uh, uh, Corey Graves said. Because uh, Brian uh, Saxton was like, well, the, the interference by Dominic and and Graves was like, well, what what do you mean? He's like Dominic distracted her by existing because all Dominic did was stand on the ground outside and yell at Natalia and tell you bit right away. Right. Like this, I think this is the second or third pay per view Natalia's been on where she's been squashed on a pay per view. I understand losing on regular shows, especially being a veteran that's trying to help out like The Miz and Ziggler, but Ziggler don't even go on pay-per-views and get squashed. What, what, what are they doing with Natalia over there in WWE? I mean, they have the Owen Hart tournament in AEW. They better watch their ass. AEW's got a thing for thick blonde women right now. You see who they've been signing. <laughs> like, I'm just stating facts. But... Outside of the the squash match, we did have Asuka get the Great Muta upset because that was a Great Muta move. Just recently retired, Great Muta wrestled in AEW Cup pay per views ago. Where's like the green us? Uh, oh, with the green mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got the yeah the the mist him and Tajiri were the mist and you know innovators. Mm-hmm. Well, Great Muta, he's done it in AEW too. He, he will mist his own hand and then gouge your eyes with it. Well, Bianca Belair went up for the KOD, and right before she went up for the KOD, Asuka misted her own hand. So then when she went up, she gouged the eyes with the misted hand she couldn't see, and she was able to get the victory over her. So Asuka kind of, you know, because Great Muta just retired and got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as well, you know, that was a salute to the Great Muta with her miss to the hand, Great Muta style. You know, being a Japanese-based wrestler, I like that. I like the little, yeah, yeah, the the little paying homage to those before you type shit. That was a hell of a way to get a finish and pay respect to the Great Muta, in my opinion. And and I feel like if you're not a hardcore fan, you you wouldn't have got that, and you wouldn't appreciated that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a great Muta thing. Tajiri always did the mist in general, but Muta would put it on his hands if he had to, and then gouge your eyes. I knew Muda, Muda, right? Mm-hmm. He did it. Tajiri did it. I was watching it during that time. Was when Tajiri did it. Yep, yep. That's Muda was the the, the innovator of it. Muda was before Tajiri even. Muda's uh like Sting era, so like late eighties, early nineties debut. 
Tajiri was like mid nineties debut. But outside of uh the two women's matches, they had what else did they have that was worth speaking about on Night of Champions? That's pretty sad because that, that tells you how bleak of a pay-per-view that really was. I mean, they had the Rhodes-Lesnar thing, but I hated the finish. Yeah, that was the most toss-up, in my opinion, out of, out of the matches. Because you were going into it, you really didn't know. Now, my only thought is because Lesnar's a free agent, can appear on any brand. Mm-hmm. You never know where he's going to go, what he's going to do. They say Cody's arm is broken, and they say that Cody went unconscious. He's going to go after Rollins. Right, they say Cody went. That's how Cody lost is by going unconscious. He didn't tap. He didn't get pinned. So now Cody's going to be injured and out of commission again, like he was before. Because believe it or not, Cody Rhodes signed a Roman Reigns contract. <laughs> he comes back and he wrestles one or two Raw shows, a pay per view, and then he's gone for a few months. He's not dumb. Right. If he's going to go to the competition, he's not going to give them all the TV time that they want. He'll give them promos and shit, but you ain't going to get me in the ring very often. Right. Maybe two or three times before the pay-per-view and then at the pay-per-view. He's a businessman. Exactly. He's still got stocks in the competition, too. Let's not forget here. Just because he switched brands don't mean he sold his stocks. People fail to realize that. And... I think Lesnar's going to go after Rollins and they're going to have the whole Beast Slayer gimmick thing go on again and then Rhodes will come back from injury and we'll have like a triple threat at SummerSlam between the three of them for the title. And that will be when Rhodes gets it because Rhodes will get it over Brock and Triple H's guy because that's how Rhodes wants it to be. If I can't beat Roman, then I want to beat your two and your three. Give me Brock and Seth. I want to beat them both. That's the top three guys at WWE. And Vince being Vince, when he signed him, probably said, I can't get you over Roman, but I'll put you over Seth and Brock. Well, now that Vince doesn't have full say-so anymore, it doesn't matter. It's in my contract. I get the belt over Seth and Brock. Right. Since this belt was coming up when he was coming. Vince's theory was probably to split the belts up and put them on both guys, Seth and Brock, and then, you know, Cody beats both of them. Nine and nine no more. Now you don't have full control. Paul Levesque's got as much say as fucking Nick Khan, and things are switching up over there in WWE. Now the big gold's back. So now now the whole storyline and theme could possibly be different than what got two good old Vinnie Mac had in mind. Got two main storylines. Exactly. But that's why they just did the draft again and they did the brand split. Because that's how they want it now, because they realize that's what AEW is about to do with Collision. They see what Collision could potentially be Phil Brooks has CM Punk has a huge following and he's I don't care what anybody says he's one of the top pro wrestlers right now promo wise and in ring ability and he's got a lot of younger guys that are willing to follow him and listen and those that aren't willing to understand his value to the company so they've been willing to say give him his own shit let them guys go work with him because we need him we could use him he's the biggest name right now and that says a lot about them younger guys that aren't willing to work with him their their overall bigger picture of things and their ability to understand what the overall outcome could be from having a guy like him there. Now, before we go back all on AEW again, let's finish up this bullshit-ass Night of Champions pay-per-view. Um, we also had the, uh, the tag title match. Well, let, let's touch on the Intercontinental because I do want to touch on Mustafa Ali. Because Mustafa Ali came out before this match against Gunther and said that if he didn't win this title, 
he was contemplating his future because he doesn't want to waste his his career on not winning championships. He feels like he has championship potential and caliber, and he wants to win titles. If he doesn't win, he doesn't know what the future holds. And then he goes out there and he loses. I kind of figured he was going to lose. And I didn't know because they're in his hometown, quote unquote, maybe. Right? Yeah, they 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 are. They're in Saudi Arabia. You know, he's Middle Eastern. So, I mean, he came out in his turban and all. Over Gunther, (laughs) nah, nah. He's gonna have to like fucking get jumped or some shit, and he has his other two guys still, right? Gunther does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Unless fucking. Ali comes back with that whole fucking T-bar and fucking Keith Lee's old lady gimmick shit with the mask or whatever. He's really out the door. So where where do you see Ali landing next? Fucking Indies or AEW, really. Ring of Honor, AEW, or AAA Luchador? Uh, Ring of Honor, AEW, really. I could see him going Ring of Honor route. I I know he ain't got no mask gimmick. No, but he's got the high flyer caliber, and I, I, I mean, he could even go New Japan, mm-hmm. where where Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, who just broke her ankle, just signs a, a renewal contract in New Japan and then breaks her ankle at their big pay per view. True, true. And she lost to Willow Nightingale by breaking her ankle. So Willow Nightingale's AEW wrestler. Curious to see if potential uh, this injury is a fake, and at Forbidden Door, we see. Mercedes Monet invade AEW to challenge Willow Nightingale. Uh, wouldn't it be Chris Stratlander now? No, no, no. She wants her her Japanese title that uh, Willow Nightingale just won. Because remember, she broke her ankle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Willow Nightingale got the win when she broke her ankle. So therefore, if she shows up to Forbidden Door and says, Hey, I want to challenge you for my company's title at your company's show. Her thing again. It's Forbidden Door. Tony Khan would allow it because they allowed the uh, New Japan United States title to be defended on AEW before. The IGPW, the one that Omega used to have and that Moxley had. Yeah, that Will Ospreay had. Yep. He was the collector. Yep. So, I mean, they, they do allow New Japan titles to be defended on AEW. So, it's a... It's, uh, it's a potential that we we could you know have that happen at Forbidden Door. Um, outside of that, at Night of Champions, the other main event was the tag title match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. I didn't really catch that. Other than like the ending highlight or some shit, so where he got super kicked. It was it was a very back and forth match between the two. Ko and Zayn got on the offensive. They're on the outside of the ring, and here come the Usos. They bum rushed Ko and Zayn on ringside, attack him by the apron. After the ref was taken out by a Roman Reigns unintentional spear, he went for Ko. Ko move, boom, hits the ref. Ref goes out. Kale rolls outside the ring. Zane's already outside the ring. Here comes the Usos. They bum rush the ring. Well, as they're bum rushing the ring and attacking, Reigns is inside the ring with Solo kind of just watching and observing at the moment. Just chilling. And the way 
Roman addressed Jimmy and Jay. I'm actually trying to pull it up for you right here so I can show you because it was almost like it was the other night on SmackDown where Roman screams and yells at uh, Jimmy and Jay and tries to insult them. And I can't remember which one of the two it was. I want to say it was the one, I do believe Main Event Jay was the one that had the rivalry with Roman and Jimmy was already with Roman. I do believe it was Jay that threw the super kick and looked at Jimmy and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. I've seen that highlight. That's like the only thing I've really seen. So let's see what I can find here for you because it was after they attacked them, it was probably the pushing, the shoving, the argument, and then I would say it was two super kicks. Want to get him down or some shit? Yep, and after they got him down, Solo was already outside of the ring because of a KO stunner. KO was able to slide in. Him and Zayn were able to get the win. I do believe it was Zayn that hits a Huluva kick to get the win over Roman. But I've been calling it from the beginning that Roman was going to have the bloodline fall apart and he's going to lose the title to Solo. Now, he had an issue with the Usos the other week on SmackDown and he turned to walk out of the ring and he shoulder checked Solo Mm. and when he shoulder checked Solo he stopped turned around looked at him almost stuck his hand out as if to apologize and then walked continuing down the ring yeah 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 oh shit my bad thing exactly so if he's recognizing and realizing oh shit, I shouldn't have shoulder checked him, I shouldn't have had an issue with him. It it makes me wonder as if <clears throat> I may have been right. <laughs> and it looks as if Solo Sokoa might be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns after all because Jimmy and Jay may be the ones to come to him and be like, hey look, you're our brother. Right. Just like they're doing with each other now and convince him that you're good enough to beat him. Three against one. Yes. And then they push Solo. And Three Solo three. takes either one, if not both. Or money in the bank. Any one of the three of them win money in the bank. Either of the Usos or Solo. I have a feeling Solo could win money in the bank this year. Solo get it, then the Usos go back, back after the tag shit. I feel like Solo will win money in the bank and then the Usos will help persuade him to use it on Roman. And I feel like it'll be a controversy because at that time Rhodes will have the belt. So then Solo's going to have to pick between turning on the Tribal Chief or going after Cody Rhodes who he has his personal issues with from when he had the rivalry with Roman. Right. Because he had the beef. I feel like the WWE could have done a lot better with Night of Champions. They, they could have pushed a few more storylines a lot harder. Like Rhea Ripley just had a squash filling match. That, that, that okay. match was pointless. The women's tag match, the Fatal 4-Way women's tag match, that, that was ridiculous. Didn't even touch on that because that was absolutely pointless as well. And it, It's just... I feel like the WWE puts all their focus on that Roman storyline and they don't know what else to do right now. And that, that's really fucking them over in the long run. Yeah, it's making for one good program, but you guys have three or four programs that you're supposed to be running. Yeah, true. And the competition is getting ready to start 
their third television program on top of their two YouTube programs. Like, <laughs> and their streaming program, Ring of Honor. Tony Khan, he walks around looking like he's on cocaine. That boy might really be on cocaine the way he's working all these pro wrestling companies and running his football team. Hats off to him, man. The Jags looked like a decent team last year, and now they... He's got his pro wrestling companies looking good too. It is this Tony Khan knows what the fuck he's doing, man. Getting that money. He's got money and he knows how to use it wisely. He's willing to bend to make certain people happy and willing to do what he's got to do to be able to please others to keep the fans happy. And that's all that matters in this shit. And he he's definitely figured that out a lot quicker than Vinnie Mac did, and I feel like it shows in the results of the two pay-per-views going head-to-head this week, NXT and AEW, because I didn't even bother to tune into the NXT pay-per-view or talk about it because it aired the same time as the AEW one. It's really the only the AEW one. It's really the... Breaker is the only thing that interests me on NXT, and I feel like he got gypped by not getting brought up to the main roster. They're keeping him there just to keep ratings on NXT. They know they lose Breaker. They have nothing there. Yeah. Until they get somebody else, big name. That's the reason they're trying to juggle back and forth with big names, or old big names. Which is why AEW is smart and only having the one-hour show on Friday nights, late at nights, and they're allowing all big names to be on it, and then Ring of Honor is a streaming site. That is their NXT, is their Ring of Honor. Go look at some of their Ring of Honor cards. It's got a lot of the undercard AEW guys and -and up-and-coming guys, like J.D. Drake, and guys like A.R. Fox. You know, Brian Cage, our main event, Brian Cage's main event in them cards, where he's undercarding on AEWs. You know, it's their developmental program down there in Ring of Honor, and I feel like it's doing really good for them down there. But with that being said, I'm going to get ready to wrap this segment up. A little bit shorter segment today, a little less than an hour. Uh, but a little bit longer when it comes to the subject at hand because we don't normally speak about this as long as we did. I appreciate those of you that tuned in and gave us a listen today. I apologize for the late episode. I hope we were able to bring you up to date on all the WWE and AEW news that you needed. Uh, I appreciate you giving us a moment of your time again today, Trevor. We'll uh, hopefully hear from you soon in the future. You, uh, everybody else, I appreciate your time. want to thank uh, Travis and the Sporting Lounge again for giving us this, this platform and this opportunity to be able to share our information and our knowledge and have a conversation with you guys. With that said, this is It's More Than Just Fights. I am your host, The Real Deal, Ricky Roller. It's been real.